ferocious. Father God, you are victorious. You are the one who comes to defeat our enemy. Lord God, you are the one who sets the snare and lets the enemy be caught in the plot of his own hand. Father God, we thank you, Jesus, for the faithfulness of your spirit, your intercession, your intervention, your deliverance, your healing in this spectacular, epic war. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are more than conquerors. We thank you, Jesus, that you said that you would lose none out of your hand. And we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to complete the work you've begun in us. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Father, for your divine protections and promises that you are a stronghold and a refuge in the day of trouble, Lord God, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that the words of our hands, the meditations of our our minds and our hearts will be right and, and, and acceptable in your sight, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, for putting your words in our mouth today and giving our people hearts and eyes and ears and minds to understand, receive, see, and hear. Father God, that we will not grow weary, that we will not be discouraged, that we will not be deceived, that we will not be drawn off in the the, uh, huge, massive attempts of Satan to discourage us, defeat us, lie to us, uh, confuse us with what things look like. Father, in this world, we are more than conquerors because you have gone before us, and we ask you to keep us in your word, mindful of your word, walking in your spirit in all of these days, Father, uh, to look up for our redemption draws nigh and to keep pressing into you, Lord God, through your promises and your goodness. Amen. Well, in the midst of all the evil insanity that's going on in our world, in our country here in the United States and around the world, our assignment as believers remains basically the same. Amen. Okay. We're here to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, in to make Matthew, Mark yeah. chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, after John was put in prison, there was a transition here between Old Covenant and New Covenant. Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of what? Of mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And saying, the time is fulfilled The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In other words, the kingdom of God is near. It's It's approaching. Mm -hmm. It's basically in your face. Here's the kingdom of God. And the way you get into it is you repent. You have to change your mind, change your heart, change the direction of your life because people without Jesus are going the wrong way. And then Jesus said two verses later in Mark 17, he says, um, then he said to them, come after me and I will make you become fishers of men. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Because it, that's, that's following Jesus. So coming after him makes us fishers of men, a clear and direct new commandment. Follow me. So after we repent, there's a new commandment. Follow me. And after that comes love your neighbor as yourself, well, fo- love one another. Right, and following Jesus is a matter of fulfilling the what's known as the Great Commission, where he said, go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them 
to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Yeah, so this was the that's end, our assignment. Yeah, that's that was the end point. This beginning, repent, and then follow, and and then ultimately, like you said, the commission, the great commission to make disciples. And there had nothing, nothing had ever been said like this before. Be uh, a follower, he said. Be a follower. Follow me, and then your assignment is to. Uh, Get others to follow me. Yes, he says, here is what we do, and here is how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to get there. So um, when, you know, then he called, of course, at, at that point, he called James and John, sons of Zebedee. They left their nets, and they followed Jesus. So they already understood the concept, I will make you fishers of men. They had been netting fish, gathering fish in their nets, that was their livelihood. That was their lifestyle. That was their whole understanding. So finding, getting, gathering the fish. Now, I, I thought of something kind of interesting. You know, Jesus said they left their nets to receive, you know, the commission, the great commission. And they began to gather in the fish like they would. They, that's what they did. They'd gather in big bucket loads of fish. But now, and and Satan also, just to, you know, he's he's going to counterfeit everything God's got. He is also a fisher of men. He also creates nets and webs and networks and, and, and schemes and plans of gathering in and enticing and alluring and deceiving. But I think Satan is a fisher of men and he uses hooks. Uh, Jesus never said to fishermen by, by deceit. He said fishermen by gathering. By and, truth. And so fishermen are deceitful. They set up the hook. They bait the hook. Satan baits the hook individually when he's individually fishing for someone's soul and sets it up to, to bait them with what they're hungry for, what they need or what they lack or what they're feeling, uh, you know, an emptiness about, you know, if they want God, if they want justice, if they want love, if they want uh, good things. But Satan baits them with a the good thing to set them up to destroy them. So there's an interesting concept about fishing men and uh, gathering them in, and I think that's what the kingdom of God is about, gathering in those who are lost, gathering in, giving them purpose and meaning. Well, what the Lord's method is he's selected people. Um, Mark chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. That's the first thing, to be with him, to be in his presence, to observe him, to, to live life, from him. To live life with him. He mm-hmm. said, take your yoke, my yoke upon you and learn of me. Mm-hmm. And then he might send them out to preach. Sometimes we, we get this backwards. Well, we're called to go out to preach. Well, first of all, we have to be with him in his presence and observing him and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. So this is, okay, he's choosing men, okay? And what what he does, and of course you see his method um, in Jesus later, he ministered to multitudes of people, right? He ministered to multitudes of people. He sent out the 70 at one point to go out and preach and cast out demons and so forth. And then he um, select, you know, worked with the 12, and then within the 12, there, there, was, were, there yeah. were Peter, James, and John. Mm-hmm. In a sense, there was mm-hmm. an inner circle. Right. Well, you know, the thing is, um, I believe discipleship is his method of deprogramming us from, you know, learn his ways, realize, actually following Jesus, learning Jesus is discovering who you really are, discovering what God has already written inside of your spirit, recovering that or uh, rediscovering that or uncovering that. Um, and so that it's, it's really, a, discipleship is a massive deprogramming effort on the part of the kingdom of God as we walk with Jesus, learn from Jesus, read his word, walk in his spirit, 
to get set free from the the wicked nets and snares of the enemy. And it's interesting that, um, you know, he chose men to follow him, but the men must also choose him. You know, you can't have an, uh, an agreement unless two are agreed. And so when he said, repent, follow me, they didn't have to follow him. Maybe he called others that never followed him. But the ones that we see and hear of, they left immediately what they were doing and they followed him because they believed in him. They believed what he was talking about. Um, so it, the, the, the power of discipleship comes from love. The, 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 the real power behind discipleship is true love really caring for someone else, willing to lay down your life for them, willing to take the hits for them like Jesus did, lay down his life for us. So that's the power of love. The structure of the organization of, of this discipleship situation uh, is family and flock. Jesus talked about the sheep, the flock. You know, the good shepherd takes care of the flock, and he ministers and nurtures, and he cares for them. And or and then he builds us into families. The solitary are put into families. So that is the organizational structure of discipleship. And the purpose of discipleship is to make disciples so that we will follow him. You know, and, and, and going back into the idea of, of what motivates us and what compels us. When Peter had been finally converted through the incredible sifting that he went through, in denying Jesus and, and re- repenting, coming to the, the bottom of himself, coming to the end of himself, coming to the end of his idea of how this kingdom was going to go and we're going to exalt Jesus and pl- put him as king. Uh, all that stuff fell away, died, and, and Peter was down and out. And, and Jesus came and said to him, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep, tend my sheep. So the real core motive and, and power behind discipleship for you and I to make disciples is do we love Jesus Christ? Do we, have we, have we, you know, he says, if you want to follow me, he says, you have to um, uh, let go of yourself, um, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So the key for you being a disciple or making disciples is the same thing, to let go of yourself, lay down your own aspirations and use and allow your gifts and talents God has given you to uh, build the kingdom of God. And then uh, yes, operating according to the principles of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is just totally contrary to the the, the worldly systems. Systems, yeah. of, you know. In Matthew five, six, and seven, this, the the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus basically is the constitution of the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and so we we're, we're living in a whole. We're strangers and pilgrims on this earth. We're we're not of this world, right? And He's taking people. Of this world, of, out of this world. Of this world, out of this world, <laughs> yeah. so mm-hmm. they can, you know, uh, really enjoy Bring his kingdom down to come. Yeah, yeah. and his kingdom. And what's his kingdom? It's, it's, it's the rule of Jesus in our hearts mm-hmm. that he is, he is our Lord. He's, not, he's Savior. He's Lord. Truth. He's the one who mm-hmm. is guiding us. He is the one who is changing us. He is the one who is revealing himself to us. Right. And in that revelation... This is we where become transformed. That we we, are, we become transformed, yeah. and we recognize our identity. Right here's the deal with Jesus. He knew who he was. People were all this controversy, like in John chapter you know six, seven, and eight, uh, particularly. Mm-hmm. He, he, who is he? You know who who is what, Jesus? What gives you a right to do this? What, and that? what can you who, do? This? Who are you? Who are do you, you think devil? you are? Are you? Do you have Elijah? a right to forgive? Are you yeah. the prophet? Who who are you? Are you born of fornication? You're the carpenter's son, and and Jesus said, "I know who I am." Why? So, because he said, "I know where I come from." 
He knew where he That's came from. That's the, the core if of If you don't know identity. where you come from, you don't know who, you, who are. you are. And you don't know where you're going and you don't know why you're here. And so, yeah. So it's important for, it was a very vital for Jesus. I mean, he knew his identity. When people, all people's opinions about him were just being spit out everywhere. Um, but he knew who he was, you know, who he is. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, mm-hmm. He said, you know, he knew, he said, I'm I'm the son of man, the son of God. He said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door of the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. I'm all these things. And, and and I'm the true vine. I'm I'm not of this world. That's right. And when he said that to them, and he was talking about discipleship again in Mar- in Mark, Chapter 8, verse 34, he says, And when he had called the people to him with his disciples also, so he's calling other people, he's got his disciples surrounding him, he said to them, he already had some followers, and he had other people who were interested in joining the group, so to speak. He said, here's the, here's the requirements of, of following me. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever does, desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever de- loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gain the whole world? And lose his own soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, to him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. Now, going back to identity for a second, he said, Okay, you just said we need to know who we are. That's absolutely correct. But how do we do that? By denying ourselves. He says, he who desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So in other words, the great irony is having to deny yourself in order to find yourself. In order to know who you are, he had to deny himself and take up his cross. So when we want to know who we are, and that's the key to identity, it's the key to confidence, it's the key to power, it's the key to assurance, is to lose your life so that you can find your life. It's all irony. It's, it's you, you, you um, deny yourself in order to find yourself. It, it's, it's the, 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 because the principles of the kingdom of God are absolutely inverted from the kingdoms and principles of Satan's kingdom in this world. And you cannot, you know, you can't be, have a foot in both kingdoms because you will be absolutely twisted up. You have to be in one and out of the other. Jesus uh, drew, drew the line. And drew the line of the sand. He put the, took the sword. He said, I've come to um, bring not peace, but a sword. Mm-hmm. So part of the sword thing is there's this separation. Are we going to continue to live according to all the influence of this, uh, world. Of, of this present mm-hmm. evil world of darkness that's so strong and heavy and it weighs upon us and it mm-hmm. comes at us every every which way? Are we going to live according to that are we going to live according to our opinions of ourselves mm-hmm. are we going to mm-hmm. are we going to live according to the opinions of other people mm-hmm. are they are we going to uh, live according to the the way the world is trying to force Dictate. us mm-hmm. advertise mm-hmm. get Can us into a, into mm-hmm. us influence us into a certain identity mm-hmm. that's really not our true identity so our true identity is is as believers 
But one of the Ephesians chapter 6, it says, we're blessed in heavenly places in Christ. We're chosen by mm-hmm. God before the foundation before of the world. Before the foundation of the world, We're yeah. predestined. We're adopted as sons. We're accepted in the beloved. We have forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. We have a revelation of the mystery of his will. Mystery is something that was once hidden, now revealed. So We have the revelation we'll, we'll, of his yeah, will. Yeah. And yeah, so so once we once we have our identity set, we realize it according to what the Word of God says, not according to opinions, as we said, not according to um, mm-hmm. uh, our ideas, our imagination, or what Satan lies to us and accuses us to be. Uh-huh. Um, but it's important for us to see this now, because there are two kingdoms. There's the there's the spiritual war. There's the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of hell. Uh, Satan's kingdom, God's kingdom. There's only two kingdoms and there's only two paths. And ultimately, you know, we must admit that we have become inundated with the lies of Satan through every fraudulent thing. And I believe now in this impactful, intense world uh, crisis that we are being called to move through the birth canal. Uh, into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. That birth canal is a place of pressure, a place of of death and destruction, a place of fear, a place of danger, but it's also a place that brings us into life. Now, Jesus, when he came down here, he set the record straight. He, he had a mission. He had a twofold mission. He had two things he had to do. One was to clear up the confusion and lay out the principles of the kingdom of God. And that was done through proclaiming as you mentioned, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel, becomes the means, method, and motivation for the ingathering of souls. It's the means, the method, and the motivation because it brings us into the place of intense love and desire for God. The method is to preach the gospel, to bring the truth, set the captives free, do deliverance, and gather the souls in. So Jesus' first requirement was to set the record straight, to clear up the confusion, to remove the the, the 50 shades of gray from everything that's out there and stand and having done all to stand and be proud of standing and, and, and not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Paul said. The second mission part was to fulfill the requirements of the law that the soul that sins must die. For by dying in, in every man's place, he set us free. So Jesus died in every man's place you know, thus atoning for our sins. And ultimately he became the final sacrifice. And by his own life, he purchased ours back for us. It's important. We have the, the gospel. There's one gospel. There's perversions of the gospel. Paul clarifies this, makes it very simple and clear. First Corinthians 15. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the, the gospel, which I preached to you by which, which you also received in which you stand by which you were also saved. So they received it, they heard it, they received it, they're standing in it, they're saved by it. If you hold fast that word when I, which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. So he's speaking by revelation, right? That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the mm-hmm, third day mm-hmm. according to the Scriptures. And according there means really in fulfillment of the Scriptures. He was seen by Cephas. He was seen by Peter. He right. was seen by 500 brethren at once, and by James and all the apostles. And he's seen by me. And so 
uh, this is this is a complete endorsement. For example, okay, so how did Jesus answer their his critics? How did he when they said who, who made you? Who gave you a right to forgive? Who gave you a right to preach? Who gave you a right to call yourself the Son of God or the Son of Man? Who gives you the right to do this? He he answered his critics. He cleared the record absolutely and and uh, indisputably with an astonishing victory that was confirmed through his resurrection. Yes. Death could not hold him. He in, he was now proven by God the Father, endorsed by God the Father as God's candidate for redemption, for life, eternal life. And those who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who follow him, who are also eligible to candidates to become participation participants in that resurrection, because we've also had been partakers of his death, through the the vicarious death of Jesus Christ on the cross, we've laid down our lives. We have um, led. We've he, we've lost our lives. He who seeks to save his life will lose it. You lose your life. You give it up for the kingdom and purposes uh, and betterment of the kingdom of God. And then you are also part of the resurrection. Now this is where we're down. We're down to the count here in this world right now in this spiritual war that's going on like insane, crazy all around us. But what is really happening? is that God is sorting things out quickly. Things, people, positions, uh, intentions, uh, the revealing of the hearts, intentions of the hearts. He said, God said, I will make manifest every hidden thing. And we are seeing for our good and for our sake, the truth and the, and the lie are being both revealed. And so God is in the midst of us. And this is not just a, a, an agenda for a nation. This is an agenda for you. Where will you end up when God comes to judge the wicked and the righteous? Where will we end up in this matter of of the discerning and the separation? Um, you know, Enoch says in the day in the, in the in that day, uh, the book of Enoch, the, when God will judge the wicked and separate the wicked from the righteous. In that day, capital D of his his, his return, his judgment. In that day, will we be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will we have failed to believe the truth and been con- comforted in the in the inexpressible f- folly of the lie what where will you be on that day of Jesus's glorious reappearing because not only was he resurrected and lifted up into heaven he is returning and he is going to come with his angels with a mighty shout with the trump of god he is going to come and return to claim back this earth and all that he made for himself all of those who are rebellious will have to give an account for how they have used the world, the earth, how they've treated one another, what they've done with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will be the ultimate day of reckoning. And at that day and on that day, there will be no other options. There will be no other uh, mercy cries. There will be no other appeals because that will be the done day, the last day, the final day, the day of justice. And many are now yet waiting for that day, crying out for that day of justice. And God is very aware of the pain and of the plots and of the snares and of the traps and of the injustices and of our cries. He's very aware, but we must comfort ourselves in knowing that God is good. God keeps his word and God is coming to judge the earth. And part of, you know, our, our assignment here, we said it at the beginning is to make disciples. This is our, this is not just for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is not just for a, a pastime. This certain, is not a pastime. A certain, a, elect group. We are not called to be an audience. We're not called, you know, to be an audience that's being entertained by some, you know, like A.W. Tozer called the great God entertainment. 
we're we're not the audience, we're the actors, we're the participants. And so God has called you and me to in in, in our various roles according to our giftings to make disciples. And to make disciples we have to uh, be a disciple ourselves to make disciples and nurture the followers of Jesus Christ is the way is the method is the strategy God has in, ordained to overturn the strategies of darkness, which are to bind, confuse, kidnap, hijack, steal, kill, destroy the members of the human race. So our job is a rescue operation. It's not only making disciples, but by through discipleship, you're ask, actually rescuing them from the, the fires in the, of hell, pulling them back from those very uh, fires by, by your love, by your intention. Be very intentional in what you do from now on. Don't say, well, I don't know. Yes, you do know, because the Spirit of God has put inside of your spirit, His Spirit bearing witness with your spirit, that we are not only the sons and daughters of God called and known from the foundation of the world, but also called to commit ourselves to the intensity of following Jesus Christ, to lay down our life like our, our leader, if need be, but surely follow him with an intentionality that will defeat the strategies of hell. We live in a 24-7 emergency. That's right. And, uh, and, and we're, you know, this is serious. This is heaven or hell. So a lot of times, you know, Christians... I, I, I'm getting to the point where I don't even like the term Christian anymore, but because it's such a nebulous sort of thing. Yeah. But Jesus, John nine thirty five, no, I'm sorry, Matthew nine thirty five through thirty eight. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And it says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered. In other words, they were they were harassed and, then and helpless. He said, and then he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he send forth labors into the harvest because this is this the is harvest. The, this is the harvest. They're the, weary. They're scattered. They're dejected. They're, they're lost. They're afraid. They're messed up mm-hmm. with religion and so philosophies this is perfect. and miseducation. This is a perfect climate in which to gather in the lost the fearful, the hurting, through the love of God, through the gospel of grace and good news, through the power of Jesus Christ to heal. And he said, you know, a disciple should be like his master. Well, he was doing all these things, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead. And and you know what? That is going to be the signature of our uh, great of the Great Commission. The word says, it, and God fought, confirmed the word following with signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. And so this is where we're at. We're in the place now of the, the rumbling of the great awakening. We're in the place now where the disciples need to get in position. They need to know who they are. They need to stand and having done all to stand. We need to let go of ourselves. This is not about you. Get over yourself. Lay it down. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Quit feeling like you have to build up your identity, your ego. Just die for crying out loud and be. Once you die to who you thought you were and what the devil tried to make you and you've been deprogrammed, then you can be the, the, the disciple, the follower of Jesus Christ. First Corinthians ten uh, thirty three. just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit. He wasn't a man pleaser. He was just doing whatever he could to reach mm-hmm. people, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. He says, imitate me be just a, as mm-hmm. I... Mm-hmm. Also imitate Christ. And in King James, it says, Be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. So there, and he told Timothy, Make know, followers. Who, who was a son, mm-hmm. he was a spiritual son of Paul. He says, Be an example to the believers. 
And so what we're needing is examples, something that's uh, where they will look at it. In other words, can we say if to somebody, hey, if you want to know how to know want to want to know how to follow Jesus, just watch me do it. And that's not pride. That is just exactly how you make a disciple. You make a follower of you, and you are following Jesus. So ultimately, they are following Jesus. We're all following Jesus, and everybody has to eat their own food. They have to get learn how to eat in the Word. They have to learn how to walk in the Spirit. They have to learn how to be uh, set free. Uh, they not learn, but know that they are set free from all the accusations and the, all of the brainwashing that Satan has used to set them up to go the wrong direction. And, and discipleship, of course, is is very relational. Uh, fathers, Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. Paul uh, Titus writes to the uh, uh, to the church in in Titus chapter two. He says the older women are to teach the younger women. Right. So it's it, we so need, that's we the need, organizational structure. We have structure. fatherless mm-hmm. generations, not yeah. a fatherless generation. We have fatherless generations in our nation. They what who need spiritual fathers, mm-hmm. spiritual mothers, and and this whole point of discipleship is that we can't do it without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Jesus Jesus said in, in Luke twenty four. He said, you know, you, you, you're going to bring the gospel out to the world. But he said, you wait in Jerusalem until you endure, you're endued with power right. from on high. Right. And That's the empowering. In, in it's Acts the Holy 1, Spirit. Yep. He said, you shall receive, receive power. power. After mm-hmm. that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. So, so from right where we are now in your life, in your position, Amen. extended to the the uttermost parts of the earth. Mm-hmm. It's it, we can't do it with just our own reason methods, or reasons. understanding or human methods. In, yeah. It has to be not by might, not, not by, by power, power, but by, by my spirit, spirit says, says the, the Lord. Lord. So, Father God, we thank you for your spirit in empowering, anointing, pour, uh, yes, pouring out your spirit again within the hearts and souls and, and spirits and minds of those who are called to be your disciples, that you will raise up a nation that follow after Jesus Christ, of a nation of fearless believers, a nation of people who love one another, who lay down their life if need be for you, for the gospel, for one another, that we will be fearless, that we will be courageous, that we will be not uh, confused, not confounded, not discouraged. We cast off the spirits of discouragement, confusion, and dejection, and we declare that we elect to serve the Most High God, even in this crisis moment, which you have allowed the earth to be brought to for your very purposes, that there will be brought forth the kingdom of God, the birthing of the kingdom of God and the ingathering of the souls in this harvest. So, Father, we thank you again for your magnificent intention, uh, attention, power, and goodness to us, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.